Aid Podcast, starting in five, four. Welcome to Flix X-Ray. This is a very special episode for October and all the horror. And tonight I am joined by the professor of horror, Ryan. Hey, folks. I'm uh, excited to be here. Uh, Thank you so much, Tony, for having me on the show. And I cannot wait to dive deep into what is the precursor to Scream and uh, one of the greatest uh, horror films that a lot of people kind of forget is out there so uh so when we i'm uh, just happy to talk about it and be here and and it's and it's almost halloween it's uh one of my most favorite uh times of year and uh so yeah so uh thanks for having me on and i'm looking forward to being on the show today excellent and i'm also joined in studio by my uh resident horror expert and freddy fanatic uh chris good evening children <laughs> You're all my children now. Welcome to prime time, bitch. And <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're going to be talking about Wes Craven's new nightmare. Absolutely. So before we get into that, let's take a moment to get to know uh, our guest here, Ryan, all the way from uh, Florida, which is quite a ways for us uh, up here in Canada. Uh so, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where uh, my audience sure, can find Tony. you. Sure, uh, Tony. Your audience can find me on Twitter at RLTerry1. I maintain a very active presence on there and love interacting with all kinds of film and theme park fans out there, enthusiasts from all across the board. So if you're not following me, uh, hit the follow button. I'll follow you back, and I'll be uh, very happy, all too happy, to include you in my film Twitter and theme park Twitter conversations and uh, well, I'm always down to talk about horror, so DM me or just uh, comment. I'd uh, love to get to know you more. Uh, you can also find my link, my uh, my full uh, full length articles on my blog, the RL Terry Real View. That's rlterryrealview.com. Uh, real with two E's. I uh, teach screenwriting at the University of Tampa. I'm working on my fourth year, and uh, although I would love to teach. Just an elective on the American horror film, which I'm finally getting to talk to the the dean about, uh, the the director of my department pretty soon. I do my very best to integrate as much American horror film into my screenwriting class as possible. In fact, in the fall semester, I always have the week right before or or of Halloween as uh, suspense and horror and have so much fun with it. And uh, one of the videos I love showing is, I think it's uh, Watch Mojo's Top 10 Freddy Kills. And uh, we got some of Freddy's best quotes on there <laughs> as well. Uh, so it's, uh, I just uh, love horror, and I love what horror can teach us about ourselves and society. And uh, one of the, uh, the best franchises out there, in, in my opinion, really is uh, Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, including Freddy versus Jason and uh, getting to sit down and uh, dive deep into the most charismatic villain we have out there <laughs> is always exciting. 
Absolutely. Excellent. We actually did uh, Freddy versus Jason earlier this month as a, an episode, so check that one out too because we uh, we dive into that one. Yeah, I was on that one too. I was co-hosting on that episode, and that was uh, that was an interesting one. It was yes, sweet. Hell, I so. will uh, love to check it out because, uh, as we all know, that is the last time until the Goldbergs episode that. Robert England uh, reprised his iconic role. So hoping he still has one more in him. He says he does. So let's just keep our fingers crossed. So yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he just just uh, a couple of weeks ago came out with a press release saying that he's like, "Come on, guys, I have one <laughs> more in me. If you can make it happen, I have one more." I'd be excited to see what that would look like. Oh, I, I, I would. I, I love Robert England just as a human being. He's mm-hmm. one of the nicest, uh, one of the nicest actors I've ever met in my life. And, uh, you know, when he saw my, uh, so I have a Freddy Krueger tattoo on the back of my leg. Uh, so when I showed it to Robert England, he got super stoked he gets super stoked on any time you show a tattoo. Oh, cool, sweet. So. That's awesome. I, um, my, my birthday was yesterday. So I started, Happy birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. thank you. So I, uh, did my pre-birthday weekend at Halloween Horror Nights, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And my friends that went with me, uh, gave me a gift and it is a, Freddy action figure based on the Nintendo video game. So it's the, oh, the, the I love NECA that video game. game. Yeah. And so, uh, so that, that was, uh, my birthday present from one of my friends. And, uh, I was, when I opened it, I'm like, is this the video game? Cause it's a NECA and it had like the, like the old Nintendo seal looking thing on it. And then I opened it up. I was like, Oh no, dude, this is a Freddy action figure. And I, I was, I, I think I jizzed my pants right there. So, um, <laughs> so I was just super uh, excited to get it. Uh, but I've never had the pleasure of meeting uh, Mr. England. So, uh, so I'm, I'm very jelly, Chris, that you've had the opportunity to do that. I, I'd love to sit down with him. But uh, everything I've heard about uh, England uh, as an actor, it, whether it's Nightmare or a lot of the other uh, kind of art house films he does, he does indie stuff all the time, which is great. And just consistently oh, his, his... people say he's just the nicest guy. Yeah, his remake of uh, Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorite weird films that he's done. Uh, if you haven't seen his uh, the Robert England Phantom of the Opera film, it is amazing. Uh, I'll have to add it to my list. It, it is it's one of the most obscure of all of his films that are not like an art house film. Like one, it's a major studio film that flopped super hard, but it's super awesome. It's very. Uh, uh, what was the director of uh, Robert, uh, of Reanimator? God damn it! Why did that leave my brain? Uh, Stuart, it's very Gordon-esque, like Stuart Gordon-esque. So, fair enough. All right, so uh, I'm gonna give us a quick synopsis here before we move on to uh, our first game of the night. Uh, so here we go: reality and fantasy meeting in unsettling ways in this intelligent and long and the long-running horror series, which finds director Wes Craven and actors Heather Langenkamp, Langenkamp, and Robert England all portraying themselves as Heather considers making another film with Craven. Her son, Dylan. Dylan? Dylan. It's I don't Dylan. Know it's yeah. spelled so weird. Yep. Uh, Dylan falls under the spell of the iconic disfigured villain, Freddy Krueger. Eventually, Langenkamp must confront Freddy's demonic spirit to save the soul of Dylan. This movie is directed by Wes Craven and starring Robert England as Freddy Krueger. And Freddy Krueger apparently in the credits as Freddy Krueger, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Heather Langenkamp as Heather... And Miko Hughes as Dylan. Yeah, that that kid is so awesome. Like going from Pet Cemetery to this, it's just oh man, I love it so much. I just showed my wife Pet Cemetery for the first time. Like really? Yeah. The nineteen eighty nine the Pet Cemetery. You, you oh, yeah. mean the only one because the new one is <laughs> hot garbage? <laughs> hey, 
I, you know what? I was on uh, with uh, Mike, Mike and Oscar uh, for that movie. And I, I still like the original more. Don't get me wrong. And, and it, it's, it is a better film. However, I did enjoy the pet cemetery. In fact, as soon as us was over, which I did not like, as soon as us was over, the very next thought in my head was when's pet cemetery come out. So I was really right. excited for it. And I liked it. I, I, I prefer, um, uh, my uh, Judd Crandall to actually have a main accent through the entire movie, uh, but uh, but I like John Lithgow. Um, but uh, uh, Fred Gwynn will d- always be my uh, uh, Judd Crandall. So so you and me are going to fight. By the way, <laughs> uh, no, it, the, it, it's not a Pet Cemetery movie unless there is a terrible Midwest ac- accent done <laughs> by Herman Munster himself. Going, you don't want to go down that road. Uh, there's nothing down that road for you. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. good. No, my wife had a had grew up under a rock, a uber super Christian household. Right? I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's never seen a lot of movies, whereas I grew up in like a very movie centric household. So uh, over the years, I've slowly been introducing her to stuff. So even like last year, I showed her The Shining for the first time. The Shining. The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so guys, <coughs> it's time for us to play a game. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, it's a game. A game. Specifically tailored for each participant. Let's have some fun. Yeah, let's okay. have some fun. Ladies, girls. start your enjeuns. I'm having a blast. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. So you played recently? A game with drums. So the first game, because we have uh, Ryan here over Skype, uh, it's going to be, each of you guys are going to get a chance to answer. And we're going to be playing higher or lower um, for bu- the budget of slasher films. So essentially, oh. I have a bunch of slasher films here, and you have to guess whether it, the budget is higher than five million or lower than five million. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, and we'll go back and forth just so that we can get it. And then uh, whoever gets the points, technically, so, Ryan, if you were here in uh, studio with us, we have a pretty pretty princess crown that people get to wear. Um, and I might. Don't worry, you can wear you can wear it in spirit. We'll send you a picture of it afterwards. Hey, <laughs> my sister and I played Pretty Pretty Princess growing up, so I know exactly uh, what the crown looks like because she and I would often fight over the crown. Uh, that was uh, before I had a big revelation in my life, but it's also why uh, earlier today when talking about one of the. Uh, what's the first hottest moment in movies you can remember as a kid uh, my go-to reference was uh, Bastion Speedo and Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and the wetsuit yeah. that What's-His-Face wore in uh, Free Willy and it's like I didn't know why oh, yeah. then why I really liked it but of course I can look back now I was like that's why I liked looking at the Speedo so, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and to all of our LGBTQ community you know that, that Nightmare 2 film is yes. very much from that world so it you know if you haven't watched it it's definitely something oh, to i have see. the whole i have uh, the whole set and i uh, one of my uh, pod dreams uh, has been to be on retro cinema podcast with gidget von larue and i'm finally going to have that opportunity and she asked me what movie that i wanted to do and i said i want to do uh, nightmare 2 so that's I'm, awesome so i'm uh, really excited about that but yeah that's one that i love to talk about with my students because it, it's just fascinating and there's so there's just so much there i i i uh, you know i know it had a negative impact upon mark Patton's career and so i i don't want to over overlook that but but i really liked uh the movie and just the just rich 
uh, social commentary, and it's not even subtext; it's almost super text. But just, oh yeah, no, just... <laughs> it's just context at that point. Uh, no, that that movie that movie was well ahead of its time. If that movie came out like ten years ago, that movie would have been uh, a box office a box office smash oh, for a horror film. Definitely. So, All right. So is this so five add... million like then dollars? Five million adjusted yes. for inflation? Okay, so five not million... adjusted for inflation. Okay. Uh, five million at the time. Okay. All right. So here we go. The first one, and this one will, I think will be a pretty easy one. Scream, starting uh, with Wes Craven. So, Chris, higher or lower? Oh, it's definitely higher. All right. Ryan? Oh, higher. Yeah. That's what I thought. All right. So you guys <laughs> both get a point. Yay! Ding! Next up, Sorority Row. The remake, not the original. The remake of Sorority Row? What yeah. year did that come out? 2009. Okay. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to say higher. Lower. Lower? Ryan gets the point. Ooh. Uh, it's actually 12.5. Really? Yeah. Somebody put, spent $12.5 million on that terrible movie? <laughs> yes. All right, next up, uh, The Final Girls from 2015. Chris? Uh, lower. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to go with lower. Lower? That one's going to be the trick one. 4.5. Yeah. So nice. Just under. So both point there. Uh, because, because that's a fiercely independent film, that's why I was like, yeah, that's got to be lower. All right, next up, Hatchet. Lower. Ryan? Oh, Hatchet. Uh, ooh. Mm, I'm going to go higher. Chris gets the point. Okay. Nice. All right, next up, the original Friday the 13th. Ryan, you want to go first? Oh, that, uh, lower. Lower? Absolutely lower. Less than a mil. Yep. Not surprising at all. $550,000. What was the budget for Hatchet, by the way? Uh, 1.5 mil. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. A lot lower. Yeah, a lot lower, yeah. All right, next up, I know what you did last summer. Higher. Oh, that's that's much higher. I'm going to guess uh, in the Nate ballpark of 18 mil. You are very, very close. But if it was prices right rules, you wouldn't get the point. It's seventeen mil. Okay. I'd still I'd still give him double points for that because he, <laughs> he took he took a stab at the dark and the at the uh, budget. All right. Next up, My Bloody Valentine. Original or remake? Original. Okay. Nineteen eighty one. Lower. 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 It was uh, two point three million Canadian dollars. Damn right, Canadian dollars. <laughs> uh, next up, Candyman. Uh, lower. This is a Clive Barker film. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's lower. Wrong. Higher. What? Oh. Six mil. They ah. gave Clive Barker money? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Six million for the entire... Uh... Well, that, yeah, I guess. Cause, cause Just Night, over. Nightbreed, they only gave him like four million for. All right, so you guys are tied on this final one here. The 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. Ooh. Oh, that's a that's a lot higher because we got uh, what's his face, the slightly less attractive one from Supernatural in it. Uh, Je- Jensen. Uh, Jensen, yeah. uh, Jensen Eccles or Je- uh, Jared Padalecki? Uh, which Jared one do you Pe- think is less attractive? Uh, which Jared- one do you think is less attractive? Jared Padalecki, because I I would do a spread eagle on Jensen Eccles' uh, vehicle, <laughs> and I, he could do whatever the hell he wanted, and I would be perfectly happy. I could die with a smile on my face. 
See, and you and you and I differ greatly on this because I find Pedlecki to be a much more attractive person. Also, he was much better uh, in uh, House of Wax. Yes. Uh, yes whereas he Jensen was. Ackles in the remake of uh, My Bloody Valentine wasn't as good of an actor in that no. film. I think he can but, only do supernatural, so he's kind of, uh, which is, of course, that show's ending. So he, he, I'm hoping he can, uh, he, he can, he, he should just do gay porn. If you would do it, you would just make so much more money. <laughs> See, but if you put the two of them together, ah. then then you've got this this uh, this mismatch of uh, like, dear God, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you guys tied on the first game, so no one get uh, technically wins on that one. That was all of them. Oh, it's gonna be a fight for the next game for the yep. pretty pretty princess crown. Uh, so uh, before we get into that, it's time we should uh, start talking about new nightmare. Although we've kind of touched on it a lot, I want to get your guys's. Uh, you know, impression first on this. So your two sentence impression, uh, Ryan. What is two sentences that you would use to describe this to someone to make him watch it? Uh, I'd say, uh, but before meta horror became commonplace uh, to the point that the once innovative concept has become all too cliche, uh, Wes Craven wrote and directed his triumphant return to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Although he did co-write Dream Warriors. All right, and Chris. Uh, my my personal opinion in two sentences. That was one sentence. Sentence two. This is what Wes Craven would do if he wrote a French meta film. <laughs> because of course the French were doing meta films in the in the fifties and sixties and stuff. They kind of started yeah. the whole meta uh, film. Uh, I guess they call it uh, meta cinema. Uh, and they did like a whole underground avant-garde stuff for a long time. And then it just started kind of petering in. You could see it in a little bit of the black exploitation and, and the exploitation films in the, in the seventies. Uh, you could 100%. see it kind of, yeah. Referencing it. But then after a while, then it became mainstream as yeah. good things do. And I like your uh, point, Chris, about mainstream, because this was not only made for horror fans, but it really was made for general audiences. I mean, New Nightmare, as we're going to talk more, is a horror film within a horror film that successfully dances that line between reality and fantasy. And that's Indeed. what makes it so much fun to analyze and talk about. And, and ultimately, what paved the way for Scream. And so we, uh, we can see Wes Craven's genius all through this. And uh, he's, uh, despite never winning an Oscar, at least uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't think he, he ever actually won, um, won an Oscar. He, I don't believe so. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's still uh, so influential. In fact, I, I find most of the directors that have been the most influential over the decades and the century never won Oscars and yet we are still talking about their movies and they are still inspiring and influencing us today. And, uh, uh this is just a, a testament to you don't have to win the golden statue in order to become part of the zeitgeist. And no, so and, and you got, you, you got filmmakers like Wes Craven who started the roots as exploitation films with, you know, uh, uh, Last House on the Left, yep. uh, The Hills Have Eyes, and then you know he's doing The Serpent and the Rainbow, which is like a real early version of uh, zombie films that is made for the Grindhouse theaters. Uh, and then he, his influence you can see in other films, and then he was always ahead of the curve. Yes. Yeah. I, I just looked it up. Wes Craven never won, but uh, after his death, they did a tribute to him. Oh, uh, well, okay. As they should. That, at least, At least they finally made reference to somebody who made a horror film. 
Uh, yes. And, uh, That's he, why I think the Oscars are a joke. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I don't really watch them anymore. And I don't, and I even tell my, my students that at the university, they're like, oh, are you watching the Oscars? Like, no, you know what? I think I'm just going to be at uh, Disney or Universal that evening because everyone else is going to be watching them. And I'd much rather just wait 20 minutes for Space Mountain. I'll have more fun. <laughs> that that it's become it's all politics now, right? Yeah. You have to sell the film to the uh, to the academy, right? Whereas, right. well, and even then, the academy in themselves is kind of ridiculous because the only way to be a part of the academy is to have been nominated for an Oscar. So the only way to get a vote is to have been a previous nominee. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a redundant system. I think we should all just start doing our own. Yes. We'll give out awards ourselves. I apologize for that stunted uh, speaking there. I was burping in the middle of my <laughs> speech, and I didn't want to burp directly into the microphone. Uh, <clears throat> I had uh, an excellent beer at uh, HHN uh, this past weekend. It was uh, it was uh, it was IPA called High Lie. It's uh, it's here. Uh, it's uh, uh, brewed here in Tampa. And uh, I got such a great buzz off of that beer. Beer doesn't usually give me a buzz, but this highlight was absolutely perfect. It was just the right amount of buzz to uh, even uh, more, uh, just uh, to even enjoy more you know, everything uh, at Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, so if you ever come across uh, uh, highlight, and it is uh, the IPA, it, it's great. I just you'll, you'll get a, a just a nice solid buzz that's perfect level yeah next time next time i'm down in uh florida i haven't been down there in about 10 years but uh next time i'm down there i'll uh i'll definitely take a look for it and then yeah. i'll go to paradisio over in uh, uh adult disney there and drink drink scotch and smoke cigars <laughs> in that bar because that was awesome <laughs> all right so you said we're gonna get into it and you hinted at it, so let's just get into it what do you want to talk about with west craven and this being like the essentially paving the road for all those meta horrors out there. Ryan, I want you to take the top on this and I'll I'll add to anything. Sure. I what I what I love about this is uh we bring Freddy back to this uh, to be this terrifying figure because after uh, a, I'd say after 3 then we start really seeing this trend towards uh to like really campy and in fact, I've only ever seen uh, uh, Freddy's Dead, I think, twice, because it's just, I, I, I love England's Freddy, but the, just the movie is just, it's really bad. So, uh, Did you watch it in 3D, though? I did not watch it in 3D. Okay, so if you have the box set, it comes with 3D glasses, and it does work on your house TV. Oh. And it's totally worth it to do, okay. and it's ridiculous. It's something that you do. You get a bunch of friends together. You go buy a bunch of pair uh, of the cheapy 3D glasses, the red and blue glasses, and you just all get together, have a few drinks, and just sit and just throw popcorn at your TV and just have a have a, a hilarious uh, howl at it. It's fun as hell. Like when he blows up at the end and his face comes flying at you, it's fun. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, uh, yeah, earlier, you know, uh, we uh, briefly mentioned, you know, that dancing that line between reality and fantasy. And you know what I love is that we can easily liken that to the very character of Freddy himself because he exists in our dreams, but he can inflict real pain. It's a, a fascinating parallel. Uh, Craven's revolutionary approach to this was really uh, taking one of the most iconic franchises in a new direction, which would then inspire so many other movies and uh it's uh it 
was uh, a movie that we we didn't we didn't see coming. Uh, perhaps one could argue that it that it was uh, ahead of its time. Uh, but I, what I love is the question that it begs. It begs the question um, asked of horror filmmakers whether the effects of the digesis on screen um, you know, crosses over uh, into the real world, affecting the actions and thoughts of people who love to watch horror films. So, like, what are all these effects of what we create? on the screen and uh, beyond the meta nature of the plot, it's very self-reflexive. Uh, we get uh, an addition, we get additional story and lore. Uh, we're, we're talking about the Freddy movies within the Freddy movie. And we even confront the creators of A Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven uh, and Bob Shea, uh, Heather Langenkamp, you know, the people that brought these movies to the screen and like really what they think about the effects of their movies. And I love how they're all playing themselves and they, they reference the movies in the same way that we do and are doing right now. And uh, the seeing, uh, I love watching Heather Langenkamp who uh, during... February's Women in Horror Month, uh, I wrote an article uh, that, uh, where I, I posited that she is the uh, stronger final girl between uh, Laurie Strode and, uh, and Nancy Thompson because I feel that Nancy Thompson better fits the definition due to the fact that she didn't merely survive by, by chance or by luck. But she fought back, and that is what I look for in a final girl. And and uh, I love the Halloween franchise and um, and uh, Laurie Strode's character, and it, it was certainly groundbreaking at the time. But I think you know, knowing what we know now about what a quote final girl is, I really feel that uh, Nancy Thompson uh, fits the bill just a little bit more effectively than Laurie Strode. I, I would agree to that, uh, but uh, if you take into the into account uh, the new Halloween film that just came out, oh, uh, yes. this yeah. year, uh, that that kind of kiboshes that because then that Laurie Strode is the antithesis of what a strong female character should be. Yes, is somebody who's set this up. They're, they're, they've prepared their whole life. They know what's going to happen. And then we just completely ignore all the other lore from uh, uh, anything past the first Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> H2O Truth. could have been included. I, I am convinced of it because I like H2O. Despite uh, the I, fact I, that Hartnett love, has bedhead, I would still do it. I, and I, I love, love all of those films. <laughs> Seasons of the Witch is actually a phenomenal film. It's just people got all butthurt because it didn't have Michael Myers in it. It's yeah. just like uh, people getting butthurt with uh, anything where they, they try to expand the lore outside of uh, the preconceived notion of the first film. Yeah, like, uh, what was that? Uh, people are going to get butthurt no matter what. Chapter 5, was it? Which one was the the one where it's kind of, where we don't have Jason? We just have the... Cause that, the guy uh, kind of becomes Jason. I'm, I'm, it was that, yeah, oh, that would be five yeah. because uh, yeah. four was the final chapter, right? That's and his, right. And, and and to reference Freddy Krueger again, his ma- his claw comes up and pulls it the hockey ass down to hell. Yeah, it does. I, I forgot about that. It's it's one of my favorite scenes because I hate. I, I'm not a big fan. I, I don't want to say I hate. Uh, I I dislike the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. I, I find them to be uh, boring and redundant films. Right. Uh, See, personally, I love them. That's me. Though I only like the kills. I know. I think the rest of it. I think they're poorly acted. I think they're poorly filmed. I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's just uh, the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, the first one's phenomenal, uh, but I, I feel like it's just formulaic after that. Mm-hmm. Where at least uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise, it was constantly trying to uh, renew itself up right. until three. Then four on, they were just kind of playing off, uh, to speak to what Ryan was saying. 
But then they came back with with uh, a new nightmare, which is uh, taking film itself more seriously in a horror format than actual film takes itself in general. I also felt like with new nightmare, it was the, it was Freddie less silly. Cause I, I also find like the longer it went up and up before new nightmare, Freddie kind of got ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I like that they, they, they introduced the whole idea that it's actually like a, 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 a malevolent demon right. uh, that, that, that exists in that. And that is, uh, that was captured from Wes's nightmares into the nightmare films. And then as, as the uh, zeitgeist moved away from the uh, nightmare series, I don't know if I'm using that word in the right context, right at this particular second, apologize. Good enough. Uh, uh, that he, uh, the demon starts coming back out because it's no longer captured because it's no longer in the, in the minds of uh, the general the populace. populace. I thought it was a very interesting take on that too. Like that Freddy is beyond just a, a horror icon. He's mm-hmm. like, he's bigger than that. Which is, I think if you do take like the canon of this, that just makes when watching Freddy versus Jason, if you really think about that, it's like Freddy's way beyond Jason, no matter what. Well, and, and I felt that, uh, so like, uh, to speak to when they actually go into the dream, I felt that that was very Barkian esque. Uh, like it, it felt like something that came out of a Clive Barker novel. Uh, like when you fall into the pit of hell or whatever that uh, that dream sequence was, it looked like you were falling into the labyrinth with Leviathan floating over top. In yeah, the I like universe. that. Great, uh, great analogy there. I can, I can totally see it. Yeah, and then and while me and my I wife were watching it last like night, I was like, that point. I was like, wow, this really feels like it's a Clive Barker uh, uh, nod. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was intentional or if that was uh, because there is there is. Um, a lot of fan fiction. I'm going to on that. Air quotes. Uh, uh, that all of these creatures exist in the same world, uh, but they're, they're uh, by, uh, by um, distance, nobody talks about them. But if we're going to pull in Freddy versus Jason, they talk about that they're in the same world. And then Ashley Williams from the Evil Dead franchise is just over up in the north. You know, and, and all of these creatures and, and beings all exist in the same universe, but it's before... Uh, we had the ability to uh, get information as quickly, uh, like before the internet, before, uh, before. Uh, well, in this film, car phones were still just a thing. <laughs> See, that's why it's like, I, I've, I've talked about this before, and I know that they were trying to do the Universal Horror franchise thing. Right? I know, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm a big Universal Horror fan. Originals. Oh, like, oh no, I, I love, I love the original horror films, uh, like the Universal horror films. Uh, Creature from the Black my, Lagoon is like one of my favorites. Oh, it's my favorite. what, it's well, one then of you the guys, romances. You guys have to come to Halloween Horror Nights this year because the best house there is the Universal Monsters House, which includes Creature from the Black Lagoon, he Hunchback, Phantom, uh, Frankenstein's Monster, Dracula, Wolfman. Uh, there might have been one more. Uh, I think that might have been Jackal? it, but that was. Uh, no, I don't think, uh, Mr. Hyde he was, was in there, but the rest of them were... second wave universal horrors, right? Yeah. Because the ones that we all know, Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, all of those are actually third wave. Yeah. Oh, right? okay. When it comes down to, like, universal yeah, horror. Yeah, if you look at the actual releases mm-hmm. uh, on how they came out, that, yeah, they're, they're the third wave. Okay. Uh, Bela Lugosi and Lon Chaney and all that uh, were setting up the universe with them, but those films weren't shot until much later. Okay. But 
I would love to see, you know, we do have Freddy versus Jason. I would love to see more of these like uh, slasher film villains be in the same universe. We know they exist in the Let's same universe. Let's just go watch Monster Squad then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if if they're going to start rebooting them like they have all the time, I would love to see them take it to the next level. You're you're right about Friday the 13th being formulaic. I remember when I went to go see the one in 2009 in theaters. I wound up being in the theater. I went to go see it by myself. I wound mm-hmm. up sitting next to a complete stranger, and I bet the entire time who was going to die next. <laughs> I ended up walking out with 80 bucks. Yeah. Off nice. $5 bets. Right, like yeah, but also that's also a Michael Bay remake. It's just like when they remade Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, as much as I love, uh, uh, oh, what the fuck is his name? Jackie Earl Haley. Haley. Yeah, uh, I love him as an actor. I think that they played too much to the the pedophile. Yes, and and uh, they 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 took it too far with that. In my in my personal opinion, and they they made it too serious because there has to be an air of uh, of uh, a. a, a being obtuse at least uh to some degree because it takes the reality out of it uh for the general populace who are like well i don't want to think about a dude raping children i it's not something no, i want to think about that, when i'm at the movie i think that was one of my biggest problems aside from i just prefer england's version of freddy but uh, beyond that it was difficult to like this freddy because of uh because of what you just mentioned about uh uh the uh, the uh, uh, child molestation and uh, ped- pedophilia and, and and they play that up way too much. I preferred, even though you can read that in the uh, the original franchise. I I you know with um I think it was the fifth. Uh, I was dream with a, a dream child in uh, installment. I, yeah, I the really, one where he's got all the faces in his body. Yes, and so I yeah. see him as you know, as he was first described to us as a child killer. It's like he's a child killer because of like uh, because of what uh, he experienced in his past. And so it's like, well, if like uh, if this is uh, this is what I experienced, and you don't get the joy of your children, and so I'm going to kill him instead of thinking of it as more um, in line with the, the, the 2010 remake, which doesn't exist, folks. If you haven't seen it, it doesn't exist. And so, um, <laughs> because you, you couldn't like him. I mean, how, as, how do you, how, you can't like a, uh, a pedophile, real or in a movie. You just, you can't like them. And so that, and Freddie is a character that is a, so we're supposed to like him. We're supposed to love watching him on screen. Uh, we love his charisma. And it's like, you know, it's like, I, I, I love being team Freddy cause he's just so fascinating and he re- gets in your head and your dreams. And so I find it be so much more terrifying than the other guys. And it's like, but when you, when you add that to the mix, that dynamic, it's like, I, 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 I it's hard. It's hard to like him. And, and I think that was to the uh, detriment of the film and, and so perhaps had that element not been included, maybe we could have enjoyed Jackie Earl Haley's uh, Freddy a bit more because Robert England likes, you know, he, it was like he was all he was OK with it. So, like, yeah, with, and, and, and it's and, like and, I wanted to like it more, but that makes it difficult. The film itself is actually not bad. No, uh, it's not as bad as Friday the 13th, because don't tell me how Jason moves quickly by him <laughs> using underground tunnels. Fuck you. Go home. Go in a hole and die. Seriously. Uh, but like if you removed the the pedophilia part and just had child killer uh, mm. for, for us serial killer nerds, I can I can deal with a child killer. Yes. But uh, a child 
like a pedophile revolts me to no end. Yes. Well, and even then, it Freddy evolves from beyond being just a child killer. Well, and he starts just killing teenagers right. at, in all the films. He doesn't kill a child in any of no, the films. He, he kills teenagers. Yeah, because when he becomes what he becomes, when he becomes the demon, essentially, that he is, he kind of evolves beyond children. Because he doesn't just kill teenagers, either. There's many instances of him killing adults. Yeah, which is which is what what's great, because I don't... I don't want a uh, house that Jack built uh, film uh, where you're killing children on screen, which I don't have a problem with. I'm I'm gonna voice that now. I I think that anything is fair game. Just don't kill an animal. That bothers me. <laughs> kill kids, fine. Animals, yeah. fuck you. Oh man, uh, can, I, Cannibal I like Holocaust that kid that bothers was me to no the, end. Um, uh, Halloween uh, 2018. I like the fact that we killed a kid who might have been gay, but uh, it's okay if he wasn't too, because anybody's welcome to dance. But but what I liked about <laughs> the, what I liked about that kill is it's like it's like oh shit, you know, uh, if like if he kills somebody who could be a gay character, and if he kills a, a little kid who's probably 12 years old, well then all bets are off. I mean, everybody is fair game because we just we just said that nobody is safe, and so I think it's fine. I thought it was okay that in Ready or Not. The the uh, one chick's two kids blew up. It was off screen. Oh, that's but, fucking. Oh but, man, but they, that's uh, so awesome in up. that scene. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, and and that uh, that that's more of a kudos to Rob Zombie than anything for that Halloween film because that's just how relentless he is. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm stoked for Three from Hell. Uh, as much as I didn't like The Devil's Rejects as a horror film, I liked it as a. Uh, like run from the law film, but it's not a horror film in my opinion. That's just, it's just gratuitous violence, but I love gratuitous violence. That's fair. All right. So it's time for us to play game number two. Oh yeah. It's time for us to play the price is right. The price is wrong, bitch. Show me the money. Show me the money. Now you've had enough. So this works as I have a bunch of numeric categories in front of me. You guys are going to try and guess the numbers. Price is right style, so closest without getting over, or without going over, gets the point. If you get a bang on, it's worth double points, and if you guys are both over, we'll start the round again. Does that make sense, Ryan? It does. All right, so here we go. The first category is, what is the budget for this movie? Ryan, what do you think it is? Millions, not thousands. Ooh. Uh, millions, 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 millions. Uh, see, I don't... That cast would have cost you a lot, because the sets aren't terribly... Uh, I'm gonna, Elaborate. yeah, I'm gonna go with, uh, mm, uh, seven, five? 7.5? Yeah, because right. it's, it's not over 10 mil, it's certainly more than five, so I'm gonna kind of shoot down the middle the and go 7.5. All right. Oh, I, I'm I'm gonna go ludicrous for this. I think thirty. Thirty three zero. Yeah. Uh, you are way over. It was eight. Oh, oh sweet. I I thought that they would have been like, let's throw everything in the kitchen sink at this because the <laughs> practical effects in this were were phenomenal. And if you think about how much you have to pay practical effects artists, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just because I know practical effects artists and I know how much money they make. Uh, you know it. It, I was just like, ah, oh, maybe it's like a, a ludicrous amount of money. No, I think nope. I think it's probably I think the cast probably cost the most, but this really feels like a passion project, and so I I, I would bet that at the time they all took less than 
what they would uh, ordinarily have made otherwise because this feels like a movie that they just loved to make. And they I'm probably worked for less than their norm, normal rate because I mean, would just say it was 8 mil. I mean that's even, eight mil. even in 93 94 when this was when this was being made that that that's nothing. So I think this was probably a passion project that they just all said, you know what, just, you know, take care of just, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, and, and I'm down. I just, I really want to be part of this. That's fair. All right, it's time for category number two. What do you guys think the domestic box office was? So domestic is North America, so Canada and the U.S. Uh, Chris? Ooh, okay, so that we, we came to the consensus that the movie was eight minutes, right? Yes. Okay. Six. You think it made six million box office? That's correct. Think it made, right? You think it made six mil? You think they took a a two mil loss on it? Oh, oh sorry. Box office like all in numbers? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking opening weekend. No, no. no, fuck. no. Okay, fifty. Fifty? Yeah. Five zero. Okay. What about yourself, Ryan? I think nowadays it would be fifty to seventy-five mil, but I, I don't think it would have been that in. In '94, uh, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say it doubled. I'm gonna say it doubled its money. So if it was eight, I'm gonna go with sixteen. Sixteen. All right, Chris, you're way over again. Oh goddamn it! Uh, it is eighteen uh, million and ninety uh, ninety thousand. Ah. So Ryan's got two points now. All right, next up, what do you guys think you made in foreign box office? So this is everywhere outside of North America. Oh, this did not perform well outside of America. I'm good. I'm, All right. It is, I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going to go first on this one. There, I, I don't think that this uh, this is not one of those movies where China's going to fill your bank. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say that it is like pennies. Uh, let's say it made... Uh, so that we're just counting the international dollars, not factoring in what you say it was uh, eighteen something or other. So, yeah, uh, so it doesn't count the domestic. Okay, uh, five. Five mil. Yeah, I'm gonna go one point two. One point two. It is one point six. So Chris gets the point. Yeah, wow! almost right Somehow. on the money. Sweet. <laughs> All right. So in total, this actually uh, has a net profit of eleven point seven million dollars. Technically a middle of the road success. Yeah, it's, it's, it didn't lose money. It didn't make ridiculous amounts, but it's uh, it, it made enough to justify the film. All right. So next up, uh, Chris, this is the category you thought the other one was opening weekend uh, domestic in okay. North America. Six point six. Six point six. Yes, because okay. I, I wanted to be six point six six, but okay. Well, uh, what about yourself? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one of those asshole prices right moves, and I am going to say six point six six. You are. I well, am. That's unfortunate because that's bang on. Oh, oh god, damn it! <laughs> Double points. It's six point six six seven. You dirty son of a bitch! I'm gonna come down to Florida. I'm gonna hug you. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was well on the money right there. I just wanted to have 666 set at some point. <laughs> well, there you go. It's right there. Oh, okay. It's total opening weekend was... Well, well Ryan took it, so... <laughs> anyway, here's another uh, fun uh, uh, number uh, number fact for you. I was uh, reviewing um, uh, Knife and Heart for One Movie Punch, and I looked up the 
the IMDb score for it. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it was that uh, the, the, the gay porn exploitation serial killer movie that was at uh, Cannes a couple of years ago or last year. And the, um, the IMDb score for uh, Knife and Heart is... Uh, I don't know, it was, the meta, it was the meta score. The meta score for it was 69. Nice. Uh, yes. And so I used, instead of, I used uh, Bill and Ted saying it. So I said, is, and then I used the clip from uh, from YouTube. I, Nine, dudes! So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so next category here is, uh, what do you guys think the original Nightmare on Elm Street budget was? So Ryan, oh. you're starting us off. Oh, that, that's, when the, that's when they were basically bankrupt and they are about to close their doors. So I know they didn't have a lot of money to throw at it. Um, mm-hmm. If this one's eight, uh, I'm sure it's half of that. It's probably four or less. I, I'm going to go with two five. Two five? Yeah. One one. One one. It is 1.8. So Chris gets the point. Ooh, there. nice. Nice. I win something. All right. So next category, this one was a fun stat I was able to pull. How many times do they say Dylan in this movie? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. I'll tell you this much: it is less than a thousand. I won't tell you how much less, but it is less than a thousand to put you in like a ballpark. Is it as many times as what's your face said, Dad, and crawl? Dad, 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 Dad. <laughs> oh, it's like there's nobody else in this fucking basement. You don't even keep, <laughs> keep right, saying so it. You're starting us. How many times do they say Dylan? Oh, How many times do they say what? Dylan? Okay, let's say I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go conservative. Two hundred and fifty. Two fifty. Ryan. Okay, uh, One seventy-five. One seventy-five. You guys are both over. Ooh. Oh. Okay, then I'm gonna go sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. What about yourself? 75. 75. All right, the 75 takes it because it's 103 times. Jesus yes! Christ. <laughs> Dylan! Dylan! All right, two more categories here. It's time for the Rotten Tomato ratings. So what do you think the critic rating is for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes? And we're going to start with you, Ryan. Uh, so it's uh, the tomato meter reading. Is that is that what we're going for? That um, that zero to a hundred? Is it? Is yep, that, okay. it's a percentage. Um, oh, crap. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, sixty-nine, dudes. <laughs> sixty-nine. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give the audience credit. No, no, this is critic. Oh, critic. Oh, fifty. Fifty. He's actually closer with 69. It's oh, 78. Nice! Oh, yeah, that's right. Ryan was saying right off the top here that uh, even uh, Robert, uh, Robert England. Yeah, he's the critic <laughs> for this film. Rob- Robert England loved this movie. <laughs> Five knives up. Oh, I was going with Siskel and Ebert, and I yeah. couldn't I couldn't remember <laughs> Ebert's name, uh, that he enjoyed this film. So, All right, final category. Uh, Chris, there's no way you would have won this, so Ryan would, no matter what, is the winner of this. It's uh, hands down six to two right now. Okay. Um, final category, audience rating. We're going to start with uh, Ryan. What do you think the audience rating for this movie uh, is on Ryan? Tomatoes? See, now, I don't think audiences like this as much as critics. I think this is one of those, uh, say, like, um, uh, I guess Midsummer is probably a good recent example 
So I, I think we're probably looking at a lower audience score. Um, okay. So if the critic score, as you said, 78, mm -hmm. I'm going to say the audience is uh, 58. 58. 80. 80. Yeah, it was lower. Uh, the audience actually 66. Oh. Fuck the audience. <laughs> Fuck them hard. <laughs> so Ryan, you uh, you win this round. If you were in uh, in our studio here, you'd be able to try, be wearing our uh, pretty pretty princess tiara. Aww. We'll be sure we'll we'll be sure to take a picture of it for for Twitter and post it up. Yes, please do. I love it. This is so much fun. All right, so let's uh, let's get back to talking about New Nightmare. One of the things I really wanted to talk about is the fact that Wes Craven is his own cameo in this. A much Would better you... cameo than Stephen King's cameo in It Chapter Two. I disagree wholeheartedly, but we can discuss that after we talk about the film. <laughs> so what did you guys think about the fact that he imposes himself into the film? I I, I, I loved it. It was, uh, I mean, you can't get much more meta than that. And it was, uh, it was fun to uh, uh, just get to see him kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Hitchcock had all those uh, uh, cameos and I mean, not, they weren't as uh, kind of elaborate as you know as Wes Craven's in this one, but you no, know, we love you know seeing you know it's like where's Hitch in in, in the scene and and so I I, I like seeing uh, uh, the artist because one of my one of my favorite traits of a, a great film is seeing the hand of the artist and and mm -hmm. this is we quite literally see the hand of the artist uh, we hear from him and he is talking to us as the audience just as much as he's talking to. Heather Langenkamp, and it uh, it makes the movie feel real when we're when we're referring to when we're like we're the creators of it, but you're you're watching us watching watching us watching you or however that I that probably didn't come out right, but that's it it adds that added dimension which makes Freddie feel even more real than uh, perhaps uh, he felt before. That's fair. I kind of also like with this one, um, it's the it's the only time I can think of with the um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies where they also don't have the credits at the beginning, and right. it feels more like this is almost a documentary in weird ways it, when it, they do it this. It is, uh, and and there's uh, references to that uh, throughout the film that they're talking about. They they talk about opening sequences and at some point in the film. Uh, and that uh, it's got to be done away with, or that's uh, or that was from the nope, that was a cut scene. Never mind. I'm thinking of the uh, the labyrinth on the if you have the box set, there's a like a special features labyrinth mm -hmm. thing, and they talk about that in the labyrinth uh, that is not in the film. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it's the first one of the series that doesn't have a title card sequence. Nope. Ryan, you can speak to that if you can think of any others. No title card sequence. Uh, I think you're right. I don't. I think all the others do. I think this probably is the first. Uh, the first one to not have the title sequence, and and and, and, and it, it just makes him feel more real. Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, much more like a, a documentary. I, I think if this were made today, we probably would have kind of that uh, documentary look to all the camera work. And to, like what we do in shadows yeah, or, uh, or, uh, behind the mask, the, the, the Leslie or Vernon story. Right. Yep. So I just thought it was an interesting kind of take on it. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's a totally different, uh, experience. 
than the other ones. And uh, it is uh, it's doing much more with uh, the art of filmmaking than had been done uh, with this before because it was uh, you know, breaking new ground in so many different ways. And it was pushing the boundaries of the kinds of stories that we can tell on celluloid. <laughs> on celluloid? Like that? Yes, kids. We used to actually shoot things on actual <laughs> film at some point in our lives. This if you, if you were born after this film, then uh, you wouldn't have any idea what that even looks like. <laughs> it's true. Because it was at this point where they started phasing it out. Mm-hmm. I was 10 when this movie came out. So I, 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 like, I, like I was saying to Tony before we started this movie, I saw this movie in the theater. Oh, I don't know nice. how the fuck I got to see it in the theater, <laughs> but I did. Uh, I've uh, recently got to see um, the first one in cinemas because uh, Fathom... or. Well, actually, it wasn't a Fathom event. I think it was a, a New Line event back uh, for the, uh, was it 35, the 35th anniversary of the, the first one. And they mm-hmm. uh, ran it uh, several months ago in theaters. I was chatting w- uh, with Rob from Movie Geek and Proud and Brunch with the Hollowells on Twitter. He's like, are you going to go see it tonight? And what? It- it's out. And so I went online and it was showing at a couple of theaters around me and so I'm like oh, I'm, I'm totally there so I, I canceled the plans that I had that evening because it's like I, I I have to see a nightmare on Elm Street on the big screen so uh so that's uh so that's the only one I've uh I I saw um because I don't think I saw Freddy versus Jason first run because I I got much more into movies after I moved out of my house I wasn't uh I didn't quite live under a rock but I just uh wasn't as free to attend the cinema as I am now. So there's a lot of movies that I wish I had seen on the big screen that, um, that whenever they pop up now, like Batman returns, uh, two, three months ago and the, this one earlier in the year. And so now I can go back and, and see those on the big screen. Now, Tony, if you, if you remember a few years ago, uh, when the Calgary expo had, uh, so we have, we have a, uh, a comic book and entertainment convention up here. It's just called the Calgary expo. Yep. Uh, a few years ago when Robert England was here, mm-hmm. uh, they were doing the screenings on 35 millimeter at, Ooh. so we have a local seminar, uh, cinema here that does all, was that all the plaza 35, or the globe? The, the plaza. Yeah. The plaza. Uh, they played the original nightmare on Elm street on 35 millimeter <sighs> at the theater. Nice. And, uh, and it was just a bunch of horror nerds that were in the theater and I was one of them and we were just sitting there, you know, yelling at the screen being like, Johnny Depp, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he's great in that film. That's before he beat his girlfriend. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, after, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's before he did anything (laughs) really. And then, you know, then he started making, you know, big box office, you know, dead man, I think was the less, the, the best, the last best film that I enjoyed. No, I love when the the Plaza pulls those kind of movies in, um, and the Globe does stuff like that too. Because I just went and saw the He Man movie at the Globe like last month. The Plaza also did the uh, um, uh, fuck. What was it? It's the uh, the Buffy musical episode, and then back to back with um, a Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Oh yes, it's fucking oh, so awesome. Sorry, that was a tangent. I apologize. <laughs> That's all podcasts really are. They're tangents. They're sometimes pointed, sometimes not. Well, usually when I'm here, we go off on this weird tangent. Like, if we watch a serious film, I'm usually really funny. And then if we watch a, a funny film, we usually talk about how that film leads to slavery or things like that. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it's hit or miss when I'm on here. So Who knows where conversations are going to go. Um, no. But 
If I could, uh, if uh, to kind of uh, as a, uh, I think a tangent, which will lead us uh, lead us further down the road, and, instead of at a rest stop, uh, I uh, just <laughs> piggybacking off of you know talking about uh, you know uh, the Wes Craven's um, uh, cameo, and then uh, and and then Bob Shea's uh, cameo uh, that mm-hmm. uh, we are because this is ten years after the original. And it is how many years displaced from Freddy's Dead? Is it like, it's like uh, about six years or five, it's, six it's years? Five, so? It's five or six okay. years. Yeah. And so, so it was one a year, right? So. And so we have, it's like, why it's a, so we, this idea of uh, we are uh, bringing Freddy back within the movie. And, uh, and so, and the answer, Bob Shea's answer to that, uh, to Heather Langenkamp is well, because the public wants it because the public wants him. And I think that's why we have, you know, the uh, 1994, you know, our 1994 movie, because the public wanted it. The public wanted to see Freddy. I think the public loves uh, to watch Freddy. And so we're so as he's answering uh, Heather Langenkamp, why they're making a new Freddy movie within this movie. I think it's also commentary on why we have this movie to begin with, uh, because the public wants it just like if we get that one more england it's it's coming because the public wants it and i love that they actually referenced the fact that after freddy's dead and like well after the freddy run just in general uh uh west craven stepped away from horror films and they actually make self uh, reference to that in that when heather Langenkamp says i thought he wasn't doing horror anymore yeah There's a lot of like very meta reference to this, and I think that's like that that's the driving factor of this movie. I just love it. It's like, why are you calling me Nancy? Why are you calling me John? <coughs> well, that's at the very uh, end when it's like the the borders between reality and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and I enjoyed the the transition to that. It, it's very much like behind the mask, uh, the mm-hmm. Leslie Vernon story, uh, how it just flips from being a uh, a meta film to being a horror film that's yes. that's literally the pivot point where it happens uh where the uh reality ceases and the film starts oh in I, my opinion. I know I, I like how you put that i i i concur that was uh it was very eloquent it's and i think su- sums it up uh, uh very well i also thought it was interesting that they were both in their costume or in costumes similar to the ones from the original movie too Absolutely, and that and and that absolutely was on purpose, and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure Ryan will agree with that 100. percent Oh, definitely. Uh, that's uh, that. I think every every single scene in that film uh, is a reference in itself in how it was shot, where the shot was taken. Uh, like when they're on the Warner Brothers lot, uh, Warner Brothers owns New New Line Cinema, so that would mean that New Line Cinema would have been shot on the Warner Brothers lot. So that the uh, the uh, lot that they were on was probably where one of the films, it may not be the first one, it may just be one of the films, was shot at that particular stage. There's probably reference within reference within reference that... Uh, there's probably even references we don't know as an audience. Yeah, there's probably references just for the actors or just for the makeup effects team or just for mm-hmm. uh, the screenwriters. Well, even down to the fact that... So uh, Heather uh, Lennekamp she actually married a special effects uh, artist. and but it's, So the actor who plays him in this is an actor, not the actual guy, because yeah. he's like, well, I'm, I'm a special effects artist. I'm not an actor, right? So, I'm not an actor. But, you know, it's like they go right down to that. And then even uh, 
one of the things I was reading. So the uh, the kid um, who plays Dylan, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Miko Hughes. His dad is also a special effects artist. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. it's like it's like one of those things, right? And uh, I was I was reading up a bunch on this movie, getting prepped for this, and I was reading a lot of fun facts about it. And one of the fun facts that I read was that part of the reason that Miko got the part was because that he could cry on command, and the way that he could cry on command is really cruel if you think about it. The dad would the the mom would leave the room, and then the dad would look over at the son and be like, "Your mom's dead," and then he would <laughs> cry. <laughs> oh, wow. oh my god, that is the greatest thing of all fucking I, I time. Love it. <laughs> oh yeah and so that's how that's how dylan could cry on command wow hey if it works no yeah the um i think one of the things that i uh love um uh, but not i mean not one i mean there's so many things that i love but the uh the the question that i love that this film posits uh it, which is central to everything the the movie itself, the movie within the movie is where does the line between fantasy and reality lie? You know, is it a dark, bold line or is it one that is blurred or delineated? And I love how so much of the plot keeps coming back to that idea. Where is the line and does it move? What is, what does that line look like? And uh, we uh, are able to just explore uh, this idea more than we ever explored reality and fantasy within the other nightmare movies. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I also really like when we do hit that fantasy moment, we go into the nightmare. She's following the bread crumbs and literally just popping pills. Yeah, which which as as I was watching this with my wife last night, I, I literally looked at him like, don't take the fourth one. You're going to overdose. Just Just don't take the fourth sleeping pill. It's right? probably a bad idea, but luckily she doesn't take the fourth one. She only takes three, which is still way too, too much over your goddamn dosage, you know. And you know, uh, we can talk about uh, how uh, the nurses were treating her and how men- uh, how mental illness is is uh, touched on in this film and mm-hmm. uh, things like because there's there's so many sub layers to this film and subtext and things like that, and it's it's so eloquently done, but it's so shoved in your face at the same time it, it it's the weirdest dichotomy it is true like the way the nurses do treat her until we have the scene where the babysitter's dragged up the wall and all the nurses but are they like, still treat her like shit after the fucking babysitter's been brutally murdered with nobody in the room but we have Not that even... we have that great moment where uh where's your past screw your past and we i i love that so, uh, just uh it was just a mirror image of uh that moment in the uh in the original movie um at least i mm-hmm. think the line in new nightmare is is screw your past or it's probably or maybe some variation of it but it was it was an answer to uh the the uh that scene in the original movie uh, which was great. So if the nurses had to be, you know, bitches in order for us to get that throwback line, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was worth it because then we got that moment. And, it, and she does say, "Fuck your past." Fuck your past. Okay. Goes, Fuck your past. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Or she says, "Screw your past," and my brain just autofills to fuck anytime anybody says "screw" because that's what they mean. That is that, <laughs> that is that is what they mean. I, I think I think "fuck your past" would uh, has it's much more provocative and bold. So l- let's just go mm-hmm. with she says that. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
But I, I also think it's interesting. You're right about how the nurses treat her. Like they're a, the nurses treat her like she's abusing the child. Yeah, and 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 they, they lead to that with uh, uh, the whole mental illness and uh, schizophrenia, like on, late onset schizophrenia, mm-hmm. uh, and like, are you seeing Freddy Krueger? Are you doing this? Are, did you let your kid watch this? It's like the it's literally what every conservative. Uh, Mindset. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm gonna air quote that because uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, pigeonhole any specific group of people because not everybody thinks the same. But we're gonna conservative people uh, that you know were part of the whole like MPAA thing in the U.S. in the '80s, where they were throwing you know uh, explicit lyrics and things like that on that, and how they thought that. At the time, Dungeons and Dragons were was satanic, and it was ruining the children. And then it was movies, and now it's video games, and it's this, that, or the other thing. It's not systemic, right? It's just no. It's, it's not like we have been killing people since like the Crusades or nothing. Yeah, you know, well, let, let, video games. We don't just pick uh, a group of people to uh, be like. We don't like you this month, so you're going to be the bane of everything, <laughs> uh, because that seems to be the way the world works. It's yeah. true. All right. On, like on I said, I, 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 I go on weird tangents where I go on the way opposite path of the show, <laughs> so I apologize for that. No, it's all good. And on that happy note, it's time for game number three. Oh. It's time for the Awesome Lodge word game. Oh, fuck. I don't have to do it this time. No, yes! I have to do it. So uh, the way that this works, and uh, Chris is very familiar with it here, uh, essentially I have three lists of ten movies, and I have a timer for two minutes here. And what's going to happen is in two minutes, I have to get each one of you guys name 10 movies without using any of the words in the title, without using any actors' names, directors' names, or character names. Now, uh, Ryan, you currently have the crown, which means you're going to go first, but it also means you're at the disadvantage that Chris gets to pick your category. So the three categories are Wes Craven movies, classic horror movies, and 1994 box office topping movies. Ooh, well, you're a film professor, so that's gonna that's gonna make my my decision a little bit more uh, a, a little bit harder. I think we're still. I think Ryan, I'm gonna get you to do the 1994 box office hits. Ah, oh, okay. All right. And which category do you want? Wes Craven or classic horror? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, so this is what I pick for Chris. No, no I, I have to pick own. it for myself, but uh, they're both. Uh, the, they're they're both so compelling, Ryan. Which one do you think I should take? Wes Craven uh, or classic horror? Uh, Wes Craven. I'll keep mine. Wes Craven. Okay, I was going right. to say I, all the classic horror movies are all movies. Now, is this Wes Craven directed or Wes Craven written movies? Directed. Okay. Either or. I'll I'll take the Wes Craven. That's fine. All right. So here we go. I'm going to start the timer here for uh, for you, Ryan, and then I've got two minutes to get you to guess. 10 movies from 1994, all right? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Are you this, ready? This is a lot harder than it sounds, so it, it, pay it, real close attention. <laughs> it, it sounds right. hard. Okay. So here we go. Starting in three, two, one. All right, so the first one is about a guy who dresses as a woman to spend time with his kids, but he's the name. Oh, Mr. Doubtfire! Yes. All right, so the next one, it's the name of a city, but it's about a character who has AIDS... Uh, the, the actor is most commonly known for the movie Castaway. 
Uh, not saying the name of the actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Hanks. plays a lawyer in a city. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 Fred, if you don't know, say skip. I, I skip. You, skip. Okay. Um, one more than three. The, this, by the way, has five words to it. So one, the first word, one more than three. Uh huh. The second word is if you're getting married to someone, that event is called oh, a uh, four weddings and a funeral. Yes. All right. So this next one, it's a black bird. The actor famously died while filming the, the crow. second one. Yep. Uh, this next one is about a family that lives in a town called Bedrock. Oh, the Flintstones. Yes. Uh, this next one is uh, it's essentially retelling of Hamlet, but the it Lion involves King. yes. Uh, this next one is about a guy who likes to run. Force gun. Uh, yep. Uh, this next one. Oh fuck, this one's a hard one. Um, if you ask, if you go up to someone and they look at their watch, they're looking at the time. The word. Yeah, and then so that's the first word, and the second word is another word for officer. Another word for what? Officer, like a police officer. Oh, time cop. Yes. Okay. So this next one is about. Um, is that word? Uh, it is a very famous one. Uh, it has a dance scene. It's got a whole bunch of different uh, actors in it who. Oh God, I can't think of a. a well, if you get orange juice, that time. Doesn't have, oh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, Pulp Fiction. I was like, yeah, that was seven. Seven out of ten. Good job, man. You, you did a lot better than a lot, a lot of people the first time they play this game. I suck at this game super hard. So, By the way, the city the city one was Philadelphia with Tom oh, Hanks. Oh, okay. Okay. I've never seen Philadelphia, but it, it was referenced recently. And I think another podcast I was listening to, and they were talking about Philadelphia. I'm like, you know, that's that's one that I, uh, that's one that I uh, uh, really uh, should watch. So okay, not uh not too bad. Seventy percent, I at least passed. <laughs> yep, indeed. All right, so that's now, that's uh, a solid B minus there, and that's what Chris has to beat. He has to get more than seven. Oh, I guess that's a C plus. My apologies, yeah. I don't understand that that whole grading system. It's a C. Um, uh, it's a seventy. Is that a C? Yeah, it's a C. Yeah. Okay, well you're the teacher here. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm a high school graduate who who runs a production office, so like I don't know fucking anything. So. <laughs> All right, so here we go. It's time for Chris's turn. We're going to be doing Wes Craven movies. Okay. Here we go, starting in three, two, one, go. All right, so these aren't mountains. They're tiny. They're smaller, and they have... The hills have eyes. Yes. All right, uh, this next one is if you're not first, you're the very final person. Last house on the left? Yes. Uh, A yell, but a a terrified yell. Scream. All right, uh, this next one, it's a marsh... Uh, another word for marsh is swamp. Yeah, uh, and did he do swamp thing? Yes, he did. Okay. Um, these are um, humans who are living beneath a flight of things you climb. People under the stairs. Yes. Uh, this next one is a monster that sucks blood, but he lives in a district of New York. Skip. Okay. Uh, it's a color, but it's not blue or green. It starts with an R. Red. Okay, and the things you see with eyes. Oh, red eye. Yep. Um, if Ugh, terrible movie. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Alright, so this next one is if someone puts a bad spell on you, you are... Cursed? Yes. Um, great, great. Uh, that's a great movie. Alright, this one's two words. The second word is the opposite of an enemy is a... Friend. Alright, and if someone... If something is going to be bad for you or kills you, like someone would say smoking is... So a word that starts with the letter D. Skip. Okay. Um, fuck, we're on to the hard ones. Uh, okay, that the life essence that people have, everyone wants to sit, save soul? your... Yeah, that's the second word. Uh, the first word is... My soul to take. Yes. Uh, okay, so now we're back to the blood-sucking monster from a borough in New York. Uh, Brooklyn Vampire. Uh, other way around. Vampire of Brooklyn? Yes. Uh, and time. <laughs> the other one was Deadly Friend. I've never seen Deadly Friend. I, was... I don't know how to get someone to guess the word deadly. Okay. <laughs> so that, by the way, is 9 out of 10. Yeah, you still took this uh, the Pretty Pretty Princess crown at the end of the day, right? No, you got it. No. You just won. Oh. <laughs> well, Ryan can have it uh, in retrospect. <laughs> I've, had, I've had it so many times. Like, <laughs> like twice. So that's the Awesome Lodge word game. I like it. It it is it is one of the more difficult things that Tony does on the on the podcast here, and it it, it makes it more fun. Uh, it's exceptionally difficult when he has me come in as a co-host. Uh, when I'm like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. I've I, I've been on this podcast like eight times now. I think this is my eighth or ninth time. Something like that. And uh, I was only a guest five of those times, and the rest of them have been a co-host. So. Well, it's because you're an expert on horror films. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we get into our wrap up, I have one final thing I want to talk about, which is the final showdown. So we have this final showdown. We're in the nightmare realm uh, or technically almost like the Hellraiser labyrinth. It's taking all of my effort not to go. It's the final countdown. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, So what do you guys think about how this like revolve revolves resolves with, uh, Heather and Freddy in Nightmare Realm. Well, I'll jump into this real quick. So they they, they make reference to how how this is all going to end with the Hansel and Gretel uh, story that the, the that uh, Dylan enjoys so much uh, before bed, and that she's like, "Oh, this is this this is trash. I don't. I you, you shouldn't be reading this before bed. It's too scary. Yeah, fuck you. I read scary stories to tell in the dark when I was seven. You're right? Fine." Uh, all about the goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, th- like I, I enjoyed how they did it for me. It was all about the visuals. I, I, I didn't care about the story at that particular moment as an adult. When I was a kid, I loved that whole scene, but as an adult, I just to how they, how they filmed it, the, the cutaways and how they, uh, how they inter, um, intermingled things. And then they show a snake that has no reference to anything, until mm-hmm. later on, it's yeah. I, I thought it was very well executed. the The visuals were stunning. Uh, the references, in my opinion, to to Hellraiser were were awesome, uh, and I think that that it was handled beautifully. Fair enough, Ryan. What do you think about the final uh, countdown showdown? I mean, I I could reiterate uh, everything that Chris said, uh, but for the for the sake of time, uh, just to uh, I guess to 
I guess to build build upon that is it really was the climactic end, ending that I wanted to see. Uh, looking back through the plot, the the plot consistently through the entire movie was pointing to this moment, and it was uh, it was uh, delivered with uh, expertise. It it uh, the the payoff is great. Uh, I feel that the payoff uh, at least equals the wind up, if not more so. And we uh, get to spend a, a lot more time uh, in this uh, this this hellish world uh, where uh, Freddie lives and, and comes from and gets his energy from. And we have uh, the we continue to play with that idea of where uh, 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 reality ends and fantasy begins and vice versa. And uh, it, it's, it's a great moment and it's, uh, it's fun. It's high energy. Uh, the practical effects are phenomenal. And it, it was, I, I can't think of a more perfect way of uh, the showdown have, uh, you know, uh, go uh, playing out uh, in the movie. I do love that he's afraid of fire, yet there's somehow in his dream world, there's a bunch of fire. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy that. But it, that, that's always been referenced in all of the Nightmare series because he's always in the boiler room, mm-hmm. right? Which there's always fire in, but he's always away from it. He's always with the steam because mm-hmm. he comes out of the seam. He creates the steam. He runs his, his claws along the uh, pipes. steam pipes and makes that god awful which they make reference to in that when he scrapes the inside of the furnace mm-hmm. with that god awful nails on the chalkboard thing yeah all right so it's time for one thing i learned and uh one thing i learned from actually doing research for this movie was the fact that they this is the only one that doesn't have a title card of all the freddy movies uh or friday or nightmare on elm street movies with the sole intent to kind of take away or make people question what's real and what's not right and i always thought i thought that was actually something really fascinating so chris what's one thing that you learned from this movie one thing i learned about this movie was i was trying to find other references to meta films uh outside of uh french meta uh meta meta cinema uh mm-hmm. outside of the 60s and 70s i was trying to find reference to anything that had gone about this in a relatively successful way uh that wasn't a art house film and i couldn't find any reference to anything and i felt i felt that west craven did a very good job at creating a meta film without it feeling meta and this is kind of before we started using the word meta in this gross yeah in this gross uh way that we do now where it's like oh that was so meta <laughs> and what about yourself ryan what's one thing that you learned from this movie uh this movie this movie taught me that uh, that horror does not have to be elevated one of my biggest pet peeves and, and when i hear uh people either on twitter or just in uh the, the rare instances when I do watch the news on TV and, and whatnot is, is when I hear people talking about, Oh, that movie elevated horror. Um, I think, uh, that was said, uh, about us, you know, quite a bit, which has no, nothing to do with why I didn't really like it. I mean, that's, I just didn't like the plot, but I mean, but it like we, uh, you know, it, it, it annoys me because 
horror doesn't need to be elevated. This is just one example of many that horror films are just as much of an art form as any other works of cinema. And it, it so uh, it, this is a testament uh, to that. Horror doesn't need to be elevated. Uh, perhaps horror is, is already elevated, has already been elevated the entire time because it's consistently done things that no other genre dared to do. It was the the first genre to really treat women uh, in like uh, respectfully and to give them strong characters and to make them important and to uh, to, to to use them to drive the story forward. And it's like it maybe it's all these other genres that need to be elevated because from my standpoint that horror has been breaking ground for gender and uh, sexuality and uh, parent-child relationships and uh, relationships with like how we view different institutions and how we, uh, how we view society in general. I mean, it's been exploring those things since uh, the, since universal in the 1920s. And so we have, and even before that with like uh, uh, Nosferatu and cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Uh, so we've, We've been uh, pioneer. It's been. It doesn't need to be elevated. So whenever it's like it, because then when you say, "Well, that elevated the genre," then you just said, "Well, most everything else in the genre is low class," and so it, this is elevated. It's like no, um, we've actually had strong. Uh, just just on the topic of strong female characters, uh, it's like uh, horse had strong female characters for a long ass time. It's like when did your dramas start having? strong female characters well not until much later so i think horror has been elevated this whole time so there's no reason to elevate it and this is a great example of what some might call an elevated horror film but it's 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 not elevating the genre the genre is already there this is uh this is a, a great film to push the boundaries even further than they had already been pushed truth and I completely agree with that. I wanted just to speak to, yeah, you're you're right. Horror has o- always pushed the envelope when it comes to that, and the idea of uh, making a, a film uh, uh, to to speak in layman's terms, like, oh, this this horror film really is just better than all of the others, is is a, is a horseshit comment. It's that you don't understand horror. You can go back and look at. Uh, you know, Fellucci films or any of the Giallo horror films. Uh, you can look at Argento and look at Suspiria. Like that whole, uh, that whole film is just females. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't treat them as if they're ignorant, uh, terrible human, like uh, emotional creatures. They treat them as if they are genuine characters that have uh, like things to say, and you know, with the exception of uh, explo- uh, ex- exploitative. Uh, horror films so if you're if you're talking about like the the french extreme horror or if you're talking about uh specifically like a serbian film and things like that where they say that there's some subtext to it but uh you have to look real fucking hard to see subtext in in a serbian film uh you know with the with those exceptions in mind uh horror has always been more on the uh side of we're way more fucking progressive than exactly hollywood will ever be and uh you know we have no problem showing uh black people being uh the protagonist of a film in the 1960s like they were in night of the living dead yep yeah uh, you know gay characters not being just the dumb 
uh, best friend that jumps in with uh, stupid knowledge about relationships that has nothing other to say than that. They they treat people as if they are people, and that is why horror is way more important than your fucking uh, Oscar nod drama and your period piece. And I don't care about you. Give me more good horror with good, good uh, under uh, with subtext and 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 social commentary. I'll take that over any other film any day. Well said. Legit. All right, so it's time for ratings. So Ryan, you put this movie forward. Uh, you wanted to uh, for us to cover this. What would you rate this movie out of five, and why? You can use point fives if you want. Oh, uh, this is oh, gosh. I mean, I I want to say five, and it's like, oh, but I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna you, I'm, you be true to you, man. Do whatever you want. Yeah, I I'm gonna say. Um, I'm going to say four or five because I think if I think the dialogue could have been a little sharper, there there are some times in which I think the dialogue suffers a little by no, 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 to no great extent. Just if uh, it, I, I think if there is a flaw, I think we have a, a minor flaw and perhaps some of the dialogue execution. So I, I'm going to give it a, a solid four or five. 4.5. Right. Chris, what about yourself? I, I, I'm i going to give it a four, uh, straight out. Uh, so I, I dock it uh, one solid point to speak to what Ryan was talking about there. Um, in my personal opinion, uh, because they were making, they were going so meta in it, there, were, there was some stunted acting, which I'm sure it was on purpose uh, in, in, in the delivery, and I'm sure that's what Wes wanted. But in in uh, in retrospect, as as an adult uh, in my mid thirties, watching these films, and I'm just like, oh, just say the fucking line. I don't care. <laughs> uh, and then the other the, the other point five comes from uh, them uh, putting that god awful green fedora on Freddy. It should be brown. It should always be brown. That's legit. I actually agree. I give it a four. I think there was some minor minor issues throughout it. Um, Mostly, I think its pacing was really wonky because uh, it, it's got such a slow build and it's not until the last half hour that it flips to a horror film. But you have like almost an hour and 20 minutes where it's like it, it, it it's a different genre and it's just got that slow burn to it. And I'm not a big fan of the slow burn, uh, especially when it comes to my horror movies like a thriller. Yeah, but it's like it's weird because it's like it starts off as a thriller and then it flips to a horror and it's it's fun and it's really well done, but it's like it kind of bothers me a little bit. You know, it's it's beating a dead horse. Um, but I think like that, and there are some minor weird dialogue scenes. Like there, there's the park scene where the kid is like going to throw himself off the park, and like the mom's just having a conversation on the bench. But he's just trying to reach heaven. It's <laughs> just so like that that scene in general where she's like trying to like talk to it. It's just or talk to John. I think yeah. it was. G- it was John, John. John is the actor's name, and yeah. then he was the sheriff in the in the in the movie. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she's talking to John, and like that that scene just felt really out of place. Or sorry, Daddy in the movie. Sorry, you're right, Daddy. I just I I, I have an issue saying the word Daddy. It just feels gro- It feels wrong coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but anyway, for all of us, uh, we give it twelve point five out of fifteen, which is eighty three percent, and I think that's actually Woo! not a bad uh, bad score for this. I think that's really well deserved. I think it is like an eighty-three. I wouldn't give it a hundred. I wouldn't give it ninety. I think it's, it's right there. Yeah, I, I, I that 
Professor, you tell me, what is that grade? Oh, uh, that's a B. That's See? a solid B. Yeah. It's that's, a B film. That's better than I did in school at any point in time. So <laughs> I was a solid C- minus all the way through. All right, so uh, this has been another episode of Flix X Raid for all the horror uh, month of October. Uh, I'd like to say a special thank you to our in, uh, in-house expert here of Freddy, uh, Chris. Good night, my children. <laughs> Sleep tight. And a special thank you to uh, Ryan, our professor of horror. I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> and once again, yes, Ryan, queen, where yeah. can uh, where can people find you online? Uh, your audience can find me at on Twitter at rlterry1, and they can follow my blog at rlterryrealview.com. That's real with two e's. If you're not following me on Twitter, click the follow button. Love to follow you back and start interacting interacting with you in the Twitter sphere. And if you're ever uh, in Florida visiting uh, the parks or the beaches in Orlando and Tampa, I'd uh, love to go grab a beer with you or meet you in the park. So uh, totally hit me up. I, I love meeting those that I get to interact with in the Twitter sphere IRL, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And he, definitely, Tony was definitely talking to you and I definitely already just added you on Twitter. So you'll see a random uh, ad ad and that will be me. Uh, I already and, accept. Uh, I already followed you back. Oh, did you? you did. Cool. Well, I, I don't really look at my phone while I, while we're recording. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't want to, Oh well, yeah. I don't, I don't plug my shit because you don't want to follow my stuff. Cause my Twitter, I don't do anything on. And my Instagram is just pictures of scotch beer records and, yeah. and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been another episode of Flix X-Ray. Good night, internet. Hi there. This is Tony from the Flix X-Ray podcast. And I'm proud to announce that on November 2nd, we are going to be teaming up with The Land Before Time to do an Extra Life event. Now, what that means is that we're going to be raising money for the uh, Children's Hospital of Alberta. Uh, And to do so, we are going to be doing a 24-hour movie marathon slash gaming session. So, So look for that, and I'm going to be posting links to where you will be able to donate to our cause as well as where we're going to be streaming so that you can watch as we dive deep into madness as we go 24 hours in a row playing board games and watching movies so look for those links and we look forward to hearing from you and hope that we have your support thanks bye hi there i hope you enjoyed listening to our show flix x raid if you liked what you heard i hope you will subscribe and give us a review on your favorite podcasting app Also, look for us at www.flixxray.com for more. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FlixXRaid. And if you like what you heard, why don't you give this podcast a listen as well? Hey, Jason and Sam. What are you doing in October? Well, Trish, I'm going to be participating with Sam in All the Horror. (coughs) All the Horror. All the horror. We're going to be all about all the horror in October. We usually do our all the horror specials in October as a regular thing, but we're going to be participating in the convention, horror convention, for your ears, all the horror. It may be the biggest podcasting horror event ever. Maybe. And I we don't are, know for sure. I'm we're jacked. happy to be a part of it. Exactly. We are absolutely happy to be a part of it. And this year they've added artists and writers. We have bloggers. There's so many things happening. You don't want to miss it. 
And don't miss Invasion of the Rebake in October. We have horror-themed episodes dropping every day, but make sure you follow all the horror so you know which specific ones that are participating in that event when, when they drop. Yeah, so follow All the Horror 18 and watch that hashtag, All the Horror. Watch it. Listen to it. Be or, it. Or we will blow you up with our phasers. <laughs> or we will take out your earballs. I need them. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>